Hi, welcome to Chatting to a Friend. I'm Katie Friend and in this podcast I'm chatting to incredible women about their life experiences and adventures as well as their thoughts on friendship, community, self-care, setting boundaries and how they keep healthy, happy and sane. Today, I'm chatting to Vidangi Kulkarni, who is a 22-year-old adventurer, traveller, who loves spending time in the outdoors and pushing her comfort zone. In 2018, she rode 29,000 kilometres around the world in 159 days, becoming the youngest woman to have circumnavigated the world on a bicycle. She was 19 when she started and 20 when she finished, and it was a mostly solo and unsupported journey. I am absolutely thrilled to have Vidangi on the show with me today. Hi Vidangi, thanks so much for joining me today on Chatting to a Friend. How are you? I'm good, thank you for having me. How are you? Very well, thank you. Um, Absolute pleasure to have you on. Um, So obviously you have had many adventures, one of which was a very grand adventure as Alistair Humphreys would call it, cycling around the world, 29,000 (laughs) kilometres. I just want to talk to you about there's sort of how this has or what you were like before has this changed in relation to your friendships relationships with other people meeting people around the world I understand that you traveled a lot as a child with your parents do you think that was something that helped form your ideas and your interest in meeting people around the world um yeah certainly certainly I traveled a lot as a like when I was growing up yes I traveled a lot but also my father used to work abroad and the fact that every he used to kind of spend 28 days in the house and 28 days somewhere in the world in the middle of an ocean or somewhere and every time he used to come back he used to tell all the stories of the new people who joined there or you know um whatever happens in the middle of ocean he was just like telling me all about it and I was like oh man like it sounds so cool that he meets all these people from all the different countries and you know gets to go these places and yeah I wonder if I can ever do that so (laughs) yeah a lot of the curiosity came from there but also when me and my parents used to travel um, like for example in 2009 we went for kind of we we went for a trip in Switzerland and it was just the three of us, me and my parents, and we were at the train station, wanted to um I wanted to play stone, paper, scissors with this little guy. He was five, I was nine, I think. I think I was nine, I don't remember. Anyway <laughs> I ended up um like guessing what the German words for stone paper and scissors were and then my mum used to speak German so she walked over and then this guy's um, mum walked over they started chatting and eventually we got invited over at theirs for like for lunch and we traveled to places with them and then we stayed over at theirs so basically yeah like making making friends through traveling and building relationships like we are still friends with them and I still visit them quite often so like that's something that definitely came from the experiences I had in traveling growing up. So your parents were a huge influence your dad especially well obviously your mum and her linguistic skills um, and did you did you find I'm going to come back to your childhood in a minute but did you find experiences like that you know I, I read often when I read about uh, adventurers and I read a lot about adventurers you know the the world these days is often portrayed to us as a really scary place and people are bad and there's all sorts of you know very many reasons why you should just stay at home with all the windows and doors closed but presumably despite some of the unfortunate incidents you had when you were traveling on your your cycle around the world that you must have found that deep down that that is absolutely not true that people around the world are good effectively essentially yeah yeah I I may have had a shit experience with some people but the bottom line is that the reason that I am alive today and talking to you is because of those amazing people who helped me out of those situations and yeah I it's it's definitely something that I really kind of give a lot of importance to because I've been asked quite often if that's put me off from 
traveling or you know riding my bike or going on adventures or going alone and all that but could you perhaps expand on what what incident you're actually talking about oh yeah yes of course um well when I was riding around the world I two-thirds way into the ride in Spain I got mugged at knife point mugged and attacked at knife point just thrown around a bit and they were stalking me for a bit before they actually pushed me off of my bike. And yeah, in, in the process of the whole thing, I was held at knife point, literally. And the other person was going through my belongings. And then I was thrown off the side of the road. And then my bike fell like on the top of me. And all of my stuff was like basically spread on the road. And it was it was really like shit incident. Like I was, I was unconscious for a few hours. And when I got up, I had to find my way back up and, you know, take my bike up. And I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know which direction I was going in. Managed to walk in a direction that I was just like, that made sense. If that makes, like, So my stuff was sprawled across more in one direction than in another. And I just guessed that that's the direction I was going in. Um, which doesn't make sense because everything happened whilst we were on a standstill. But whatever uh yeah walked in that direction found a gas station and the guy there obviously he is spanish i speak english i don't i don't understand spanish so somehow um we we were trying to google translate but then i before we could get to that i didn't remember my phone's password he tried zero 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 that worked because somehow all my life I've had that password (laughs) that worked and yeah ended up um google translating everything and I didn't remember anything so he was finding it really like annoying but I didn't remember anything and I like I said I might have hit my head and then I had a bump so I just was like hey look I did hit my head (laughs) and um yeah after a lot of kind of chatting with him there was this family who actually spoke English which ended up taking me to a hospital um, where we found out that I had concussion and I obviously I I drank that coffee I ate something and I kept throwing up and I was like there was like blood Uh, I was throwing up blood and I I wasn't sure what was happening and I kept getting really bad headaches my body felt like someone's like hit me with a truck or something it was it was shit and I just didn't know why that was happening because I didn't remember what was happening to me, what had happened to me. But yeah, after the, after I was back to a motel room from the hospital, um, I kind of, you know, calmed down and made myself rem- like I, I literally, when you're so quiet, you actually start remembering things a bit. Um, and I kept getting flashes of memory, but when I found that space for myself to just be when I found that time to be by myself somehow it all came back to me and I was like okay this is what happened like all these small flashes of memory can be stitched together and this is what happened and yeah that made sense because I remembered the number of the motorbike that the guys were on because that's what I was focusing on when I was held at knife point uh and yeah I was trying to also figure out what the guy looked like who was uh taking my stuff I was like if I ever have to describe to anyone I can describe him like you know based on his appearance and be like you know he looked like this Bollywood actor or something <laughs> but yeah that was the incident in Spain but like the reason I I was able to figure all this out was because those people, that guy who owned the gas station and that family, they actually took took the time out of their lives. They went out of their way to to help me out and to take me to a hospital to figure out what was wrong with me. They were just as worried about me as I would say if my parents were there, they would have been. <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't tell my parents until I was kind of back on the bike and comfortably riding. <laughs> Gosh, so you found some good people out there to to help. And when you did tell your parents and friends, what was the reaction? Did they, you know, I I kind of get from reading about you and from having spoken to you before that you know your parents would not necessarily likely to be on the first plane to Spain to pick you up, but they must have been hugely concerned. 
yeah, they were, they were. My dad was like, what the fuck is up with you and your unsupported thing? Can, can we just arrange for someone to kind of drive so that, so that, you know, you're safe and all that? And I was like, look, if there's going to be a chat about me getting support, I'd rather not do it. Like, I'll just stop. And like, I may, I, I, I was being really extra about it. Like, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I really understood my parents' perspective on being that worried because I was in my own kind of pit. <laughs> so I was like, they were they were really, um, really, really uh, worried about me and they weren't sure if it was right for me to continue. And like, I wasn't just saying that I was going to continue. I was saying I was also going to ride across Russia at that time, which I did halfway, but anyway, and they knew it was going to be winter then. And they were just like, what are you doing? And at some point, like another thing was the concussion is not a big thing in India. Like, you know, someone falls on their head, they just fell on their head, it hurts a little bit, it's kind of left at that, but um, because of that, I had to actually explain to my parents what it, what it does to you, and so, like, two weeks later, when I was still struggling, I, my dad was like, hey, you know what, you can still make it, like, you know, you can still make the 29,000 kilometers in a decent time, you don't need to, kind of, just because you didn't get the world record you, like you know doesn't mean you um still can't make it in a decent time and I, I remember I was just like yelling at my dad just going no I'm absolutely done with this I'm gonna ride my bike at whatever pace I want and <laughs> I was just telling him that I don't think you really understand what what this has done to me and I don't think you like I hadn't told him the whole thing about what had happened. I didn't tell him about knives. I just told him I was mugged. Um, if I'd told that I was actually held at knife point, I'm pretty sure uh, the the reaction by both of my parents would have been different. Yeah. And my mom ended up like uh, one thing I've always told my parents is to not contact my friends because I absolutely hate that. <laughs> and my mom ended up like messaging all my friends and telling them like you know to check in with me often and all that and I was doing that anyway like on the way I was just sometimes because this incident happened when it was dark somehow every time I could like after that every time I rode in the night rode to the night and I saw a light it really freaked me out and I would just call a call a friend and chat <laughs> and that was um that was something that really helped in the first few, um, well, yeah, first few weeks of after the concussion. It really helped that I would just call my friends up and just chat to them. And one was based, one was at the time he was in Finland. One was in, was she in Ireland? She's either in Ireland or Brazil, one of those. And another one was actually, um, I lived with him. He's like my best friend and he was a part of the film crew, which kind of saw me in some places and filmed some sections of the of the ride. And he wasn't like after after Paris, I believe, he wasn't going to be there for the rest of the world. And I was just like, yeah, fine. But like when he was gone, uh, I remember like I was like also calling him a lot. And then there were other friends as well. And just like friends that initially before I left, I thought were acquaintances. They would just call me up and be like, hey, how are you? And it was just magically, <laughs> magically I would reappear on on their radar I suppose and, yeah so your mom did you a favor by ignoring your wishes no to... <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't those friends it was actually completely different friends so these are sort of acquaintances that you didn't some, well obviously there was the best friend but people that you didn't necessarily know that well is it sometimes easier do you think to talk to people that you maybe don't know that don't know you as well certainly it is it is because I think the people who know you really well um there's also a possibility that they will get worried really easily and you also like always think about them along with yourself when you're talking and some in my case I think more about the person I'm talking to than I would about myself so in that case like when I'm talking to an acquaintance I would actually um not hold back on my emotions or have a feeling that I would just be really open uh and that's like 
it doesn't need to be an acquaintance like, like someone I it could be someone I do not know at all it could be a stranger and you know I'm, I'm really open like that uh and it's it, it's it's quite funny actually I, I think like someone who doesn't know me at all if that person sees me talking to another stranger they would think I'm their friend actually because I am that open with other people. <laughs> and where do you think that comes from? Where does that openness come from? Do you think it's that sort of traveling as a child? Do, do you think it comes partly from being an, an, you're an only child, aren't you? Yeah, I am an only child, yeah. Do you think there's an only child element to that, that sort of ability to talk to adults and and other people yes. easily? Yeah, that that's one of the things, but also the other travel experiences with my parents, because my mum, uh, <laughs> she used to encourage me to ask um, ask other people where they're from, and like, you know, and like to kind of chat to other people or ask for help, or she used to just kind of, um, when we needed to know directions for some place, for example, my parents would ask me to do it because um, they would encourage me to be open like that and not be shy for asking for help. And um, it, I think that was really cool. At the time, I was like, oh, why do I need to do this? I just want to listen to my music. But yeah, now I really appreciate it because I'm not scared of talking to strangers. <laughs> and I read in your um, in your website that you said you didn't have that many friends at school. Were you always in the same school or did you move around because of your dad's work or no so like dad's work didn't really affect where we lived as much but I I think until I was seven or eight I was in a different place than where my like rest of my primary school and secondary happened um mm. and I think uh, yeah it didn't really have anything to do with um uh, moving places it was more about just probably how how it was and I think I've always had a little so I've uh, as growing up when my dad used to be out of the country I never really got on really well with my mom so mm. um because obviously she was alone and like also taking care of me and she had to she wasn't able to she thinks she wasn't able to do the things that she wanted to do and then the frustration would kind of come out on me and it was like um I don't know a bit it, it was it was abusive and I kind of got really I used to get really nervous I I, I was um I wasn't I didn't find it easy to talk to people my age or mm -hmm. I didn't find it easy to express myself when in school or the, when there were like group trips and stuff like you know school trips I wouldn't mm -hmm. go on them because I was scared I wouldn't have anyone to sit next to me or I was just like oh man like I'm, I'm gonna be alone again and again like when I was actually in school you know when when you have lunch break and stuff I used to be like a sitting alone somewhere I was pathetic honestly I was just sitting alone by myself and eating it and I was like Honestly, am I going to spend the rest of my life like this? <laughs> I, I remember, like, I distinctly remember thinking that. And I would have never thought that, like, when I move here, I would be so comfortable with all that. And I would be so comfortable with being by myself and having my own company. But in the school, it was the problem because I was also bullied a little bit. So that, that didn't help. But I didn't have any friends of my own, like, who are girls basically so I got on better with the guys but then it ended up in a really weird way because it was also some of the guys which were like bullying me and I was just like ah who are my friends who aren't and I, I remember this thing because I even like yeah this really uh bothers me even now that I did that at the time but I remember asking people who are my acquaintances at the time uh, I was what 12 13 something like that and I remember asking all of those people if there's something annoying about me that they don't want to be friends with me and I asked every single person that I thought had that thing and I literally I and and they they were really honest and apparently I was annoying and I was just like fuck <laughs> <laughs> it was it was really funny but it was also really sad and when you say annoying, like, did they elaborate? And, you know, because... Oh, yes, they elaborated. Oh, <laughs> painful. That's painful. Oh, yeah. And so do you think, do you, do you think you, do you think that changed you? Or did you change behaviours in any way? Or did it make it easier for you to understand 
the sort of person that you were or yes. how did that how did it affect you what what happened I think I got more comfortable with having that lunch alone you know why because I realized that the I, I spoke with my parents about this when my dad came back from work I, I remember for like when he was back for his 20th year thing I told him that I did this and then he was just telling me that you don't need first you don't need to get on with everyone and second like the kind of person you are or you think you are there's nothing wrong with that so I told him what my, my what my friend said and he was like that's bullshit that's just them being teenagers you read books you write stuff and I was I was writing I I call it the manuscript I was writing a book with my hands at the time it was funny uh, <laughs> and and my dad was saying that that's actually like um like he said that I was being more I was I was I was I don't know he said that I was being like more grown up than I was at the time so I wasn't being a teenager and that's why they they like that's why they said all those things and that's why they thought that I wasn't I was matured or I was um um doing things which were a little kind of beyond my age do you think they felt a little bit threatened that you you seemed different or, as your dad said, more grown up? Um, it I think I think they just found it a bit strange. Like you know, you kind of get on with people who are like you, and I wasn't like them, and I I I didn't I didn't yeah I I kind of made my peace with that at at a point I was like actually it's not bad that I don't have friends in the school and it's not bad that I don't have friends of the same gender whoever I do have and like it's it's okay and I kind of got better at that because then like I remember that year that I realized that I read more books than I ever had in my other years before I was just like I read books I played football I I did everything I rode my bike, I did everything else and I I remember like making myself realize that look other people don't define you, you define yourself and yeah my parents really helped with that as well um because yeah they would they would ask me every so often um if if everything in school is okay and I would be like well I don't go to school trips I ask you guys to take me somewhere and you know uh, we, we used to go on family trips instead of me going to school trips um because I told them that I'm 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 worried I don't think well, like you know when when people don't like you you start getting worried that something bad's going to happen and no one's going to be there to help you and I was really worried about that um because at the time like like come on, as as a twelve thirteen year old, when you're worried that people are not going to like you and they're not going to help you, you don't know if you can help yourself either. Um, you know, so <laughs> yes, no, it's very. I'm just, I'm quite, I'm struck by the fact that you realised at quite an early age. You said that people, other people, don't define you. I mean, do you? Do you have any idea that of how what a mature thought that is? Because there are, there are people a hell of a lot older than you who have still not figured that out. Oh, I didn't. I, at the time, I didn't realize, and like even now, I need to make myself realize again and again that hey, like other people, like not everyone will like you, and it's okay because I like there's so many people that I already know that don't like the way I am, but then. I and with the support of friends and my parents as well, I always kind of come back to the whole other people don't define you thing. And it's like it's phases that make me realize that okay, yeah, 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 kind of come back to who you are and what you do. Like you know, don't think much about it. Uh, I read that you found sort of friendship and relationships more in your extracurricular activities yeah. that including your football and, and that sort of thing well not as much in football well yeah a, a little bit in football as well to be fair but yeah I, I sucked at football like I was I, <laughs> I, I didn't I don't I never liked to run so I was stuck at the goal post so I was goalkeeper but mm -hmm. I was fearless in terms of going for the ball, so I would I wouldn't uh, be afraid of just you know diving for the ball. And I've broken my nose several times. I've got hit Oof. in my head by kicks several times, which might be which might explain why I'm so crazy. But anyway, um, 
But yeah, I um, when I was playing football, when I was playing it with with the guys, I knew I was not as strong, and I think that helped me make friends with the guys. But mm-hmm. when I was playing with girls, um, because I was at the goalpost and because I uh, didn't have this whole commanding, uh, I don't know, personality. Well, I don't have a commanding personality. Let's face it. I can be the person standing at the goalpost going, all right, go for the ball, do this, do that. I, I just, I don't think I'm the one yelling at people to do that. So I, I wasn't and I realized that. Um, and I think I was also afraid of the other other girls because I was frankly a pushover. Um, so I remember at a national camp, um, I was washing my clothes in a wash basin and I hung them and everything. And my mum had taught me what to do. And I was, you know, following your instructions, doing all mm-hmm. that by myself. And the girls saw that they didn't know what to do. So they asked me if um, if I can do it for them. And then I was like, oh, yeah, they're trying to be friends with me. They're being yeah. nice. Oh, yes, of course. I did it with them. And then for like five days straight, they kept asking me. I didn't even realize that the correct thing to say was, oh, let me teach you how to do it so that you can do it yeah. by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, anyway, I uh, learned from that. And uh, that was the camp, which was the end of my football career. Right. When oh, After that, I uh, switched to cycling. And that's worked really well for me, I would say. <laughs> Sounds like it, yes. And so, and you met lots of people through, was there a cycling club or just meeting up with people? No, it wasn't cycling club. Oh, that's funny, actually, because um, I went in, I went for a short kind of um, cycling trip in the Himalayas with my, like, ex-boyfriend. And um, when I was there, I remember, um, I I remember meeting, this guy who was what like I think I was like 30 something year old and um he I just asked him about like a bunch of mountaineering questions because I was into mountaineering so we had a good chat about mountaineering and he he was saying that I was really good at the cycling part of the trip and like you know if I wanted I could do the whole whole road which goes across Himalayas essentially Mm. and I was like no way I would bloody love that and then he was like hang on how old are you and I said I was 17 he's like oh we do it at like so it was youth hostel associations which which were doing that thing yeah youth hostel associations of India they had organized that um little um Himalayan adventure and then this grand Himalayan adventure which is kind of I would say that's expedition worthy yeah that uh, Himalayan route that I had done um they do it in groups and uh, they, they they make it sound and look really fancy <laughs> and he said to me that look like because you're under 18 we might not be able to take you on and then I kept in touch with him and I would message him with you know what what sort of route should I take what sort of stuff should I carry and all that and eventually like he became a really good family friend so like I still talk to him he's like a mentor to me fantastic and he tells me what stuff I should go in terms of you know get get at the time I needed to buy a new bike for this and all that so you know he helped me through that process until like even when I came to the UK when I needed to buy a bike (laughs) and even after um, the round the world thing when I needed to uh, prepare for Silk Road and I was like oh shit I'm standing on a mountain bike I can't understand the power variations I'm putting in so much power and I'm not going as fast and he, he knows the scientific things behind it as well so yeah like Somehow, through the six-day trip that I'd gone to, I ended up meeting a friend who encouraged me to do this whole, you know, this ride across Himalayas. And and I think that sort of relationships that you kind of, that that get forged in the mountains, I suppose. Um, Yeah, you, you don't easily kind of forget about them let go and like you know you you kind of uh, hang on to them for like a long long time and I think this is awesome because he in in the last part of my um uh, ride around the world in the last part of India I think it was last 
1,500, 2,000 something kilometers. And at the time I was like, oh my God, I only have this much left. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I was so happy about being able, being at a place where I could say that. But anyway, um, he had joined me for that. And I remember having something, a similar sort of chat with him when I was riding there. And I was telling him that, hey, do you remember that I'd come up to you? And I'd asked you all these questions about mountaineering and I did not know that you knew everything better. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's really cool. Oh. And so you think that changed in some way the way you view friendships? Did that, it seems like yeah. it's kind of a pivotal point finding someone who was interested in the same things as you and didn't perhaps view you as, you know, a kid, the weird yeah. kid that, you know, yeah, that reads yeah. books and so on. I, I I love the fact that I've always been able to make better friendships and um, all that with people who are older than me, because somehow I just managed to make a conversation that works, that they don't find annoying, that, that just, it just happens to work. I don't know how to explain it, but it's, it's always kind of, it, it's been a case quite a few times now, and um yeah, yeah. I think that's definitely um yeah, that's definitely changed the way I look at friendships. Well, but then my closest friends are kind of around my age mm-hmm. and I think that's really cool, but that didn't happen for a long time when I moved to this country, to the UK. How old were you when you I moved, moved to the UK? I had just turned 18, like literally five days after I turned 18 I moved. And you came to you went to Bournemouth to to study, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I came here, I didn't know a single person. It was really fun. <laughs> and what what made your connections? Like, how did you meet people? Was it through your course? Was it through cycling? Was it combination? Um, I, so I had gone to a cycling social, but I found it, I, yeah, as, as a, I don't know, as a person of colour walking into a very, um, white place Mm. I always found being really found myself being really 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 nervous I wouldn't I remember the first year of my school um, school sorry university I wouldn't like look up and walk I would look down like I would like you know not even on my phone I would just look down on my feet and walk and I was like what am like you know I didn't have much confidence at all and I think it was riding my bike um when I was not in uni that actually built my confidence mm-hmm. slowly in terms of the fact that, hey, I just rode 300 kilometers. Oh, maybe I can, you know, feel stronger about myself and feel better about myself yeah. and I can do better. And I remember because there were people in cycling club who found about me doing these weirdly long rides and more long rides more often, mm-hmm. they kind of, um like that's how I started kind of chatting with people um but then I would refuse to go on group rides I never (laughs) never never I still haven't gone for a single group ride with the club and I was I I was the president of the club and I never (laughs) went on a group ride you know why because I just can't like I can't I think it must have been that thing when I didn't go to school trips it could have been that I just cannot cope with riding bikes in a group like with other people it just kind of I go with uh if there's a couple of people I go and mostly they are like good friends of mine when I kind of choose to go with other people but coming to the UK made me realize that I can I can choose who I want to be friends with I can choose who I do not want to be friends yeah. with I can like I, I have the kind of ability to make those decisions and I really like that and yeah cycling the friends that I made from cycling are kind of yeah they they are the ones that I actually am even going to spend my next birthday with more like and speaking about friendships last year I went to this I I, I rode my bike from Belgium to Mosin in French Alps with a friend of mine but never done bike packing before and she's like a she's one of my close friends she's again she's a best friend and she's the one that I said was like either in Ireland or Brazil when I was riding around the world and I spoke with her a lot and I spoke absolute like we would talk 
about anything, just about anything. Uh, and for a long time, like two or three hours. And um, <laughs> she's quite adventurous. And I remember after our, on on our last day of the ride to Mosin, we were climbing that big hill and I remember telling her that this is certainly going to be the highlight. Like now there's going to be 40 other people. All of them are my friends, but there's going to be 40 other people. How, like, you know, this is too much. <laughs> um got there, uh, said hello to people. And I remember somehow, like, I realized how much of a difference three years can make. Because that time I was totally mm. comfortable chatting with everyone. I was even drinking some Sambuca. Well, not some, a lot of it. And I was just... <laughs> I was so comfortable mingling with people at that point and I just couldn't believe it because that's that wasn't me. Can you think of maybe a couple of things that, I mean, we've talked a lot about a lot of things, but what do you think were the main reasons? Do you think the confidence of taking on such a big challenge and, as you say, maybe learning to, to be in your own in your own company definitely I think it was the fact that I realized that I can rely on myself I can be by myself and I can be comfortable with that that was that really boosted my confidence and so much so that like I met someone like at the at that trip uh with with my friends and now I live with them like it's it's funny how that works like I never had the confidence for like something like that either as in a partner yeah yeah oh lovely I was going to ask you actually about your friend you talking of living with people your friend uh that you said came with you did some of the filming he gave up being at university for good or for a year or what to help you for a year for a year yeah that's extraordinary. You see, there, there. That tells me something about what kind of friend you must be—that somebody believed in you so much, and that you gave him the confidence to, you know, to say, "Right, I need to properly knuckle down and help this person." <laughs> yeah, it, it was insane. I didn't. I, I think it came to me as a surprise as well. So I remember we were in a bike cafe talking about risk assessments for this round the world, um, like journey <laughs> and we were at obviously at the time I was going for the world record and also we were noting down all the everything that could go wrong basically and he was the one who was like he was telling me how everything could lead to death and you know I would just try and hold back and he would just not hold back and just tell me the whole thing and I was like oh damn like that can kill me too then okay then fine and then everything was like risk level four somehow because we were just going for those kind of things and I remember that was the time when it's kind of like I was and then he said that he was thinking of um deferring from university for that year so that um he can join me uh for some bits to film those bits and and I was I was initially like no way like and and I, I was in, in a way I was like hang on, you're telling me now, you've already done it, haven't you? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I kind of gave um, a, wrote, he wrote to someone in, in some department in university, and I didn't even know that. And I know for a fact that he was also facing kind of a rough time at the time. And he was, yeah, he was facing really rough time between like, um, in, in early 2018. So he saw this as an opportunity to jump in and, you know, um, kind of get involved in something more adventurous that will uh, help him see more of a world and all that as well. Oh. <laughs> and uh, it was it was awesome. Like, um, yeah, he, he knew it meant the world to me. So that was awesome. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Now, I just wanted to touch on something you said a minute ago. Um, when you arrived in the UK as a person of colour, you you didn't feel quite did I understand quite welcome or like you had a place amongst all the white faces is that in your accrual if the word that's the right word of friends over the years do you have a mixture of friends from different cultures now or is it not something that is in the front of your mind I have got uh, friendships from like different cultures now. Yes, I do have friends from different who come from different cultural backgrounds now, and I think that 
helps the part of me which kind of you know first came in the country and didn't feel very welcome but I think the the reason I didn't feel really welcome at the time was because I was in a culture shock none of the things that I saw around me were part of my life before that and you know seeing people on phones all the time for example like everyone who would sit in the cafeteria I was used to I was like I don't know if if you go to a cafe in India, like now, probably in a city, yeah, people would be on their phones as well. But otherwise, um, if you sit in long, someone like, you know, you just strike a conversation, you make, you talk to people like, and I always grew up like that. So I found it really strange, like how I didn't feel like it was very accessible to actually reach out. And yeah, I, I think that was like, um the part which really um i don't know which really <laughs> um yeah i i think that was that was the reason i just didn't feel like it was very accessible to talk to people and like over the time of the years when i have built friendships kind of i i have i i would like to think that i've tried to be more accessible because of that experience or those experiences uh yeah i I would like to think so Mm. it sounds to me like the friendship and sometimes the lack of friendships have played such a huge part in taking you to where you are to have achieved such an enormous thing in at such a young age because i think back to myself at your age and i was mainly just concerned with when how quickly Friday would roll around uh, at university and, and, and I could go dancing. Um, <laughs> and I just, I, I feel like, you know, it's such a vulnerable age, the sort of teen years and, and late teen years. And you took this awkward friendship stage and turned it into something that really you've achieved an enormous amount. How, how much do you think friendship or lack thereof has driven you to do what you've what you've achieved so far? A lot. So yeah, that's always been a factor in uh, what I've done and how I've done it. For example, when I first came here, within a few months, I left for a bike ride across the country, and I remember thinking, "Well, no one's gonna want to follow it." Like you know, I don't really have anyone to actually talk about this with, um, and I I had this, you know, I've got nothing to lose mindset at that point and I think that really drove me towards talking with more strangers along the way that was like yeah I think that awoke the part of me which was like knocking on strangers doors and being like hey I'm I'm Badangi I'm 18 I'm from India I recently moved here and I'm just exploring the country and you know, can I have a cup of tea with you or something I've, I've done that people have loved it and they welcome me in their welcomed me in their homes and you know amazing and yeah they have also some of closed doors in my faces and I didn't think much of that but I think that like these incidents uh, these incidences have made me feel more comfortable with being by myself I would say and these incidences made me realize that even if I didn't have anything that I do now I will still be able to survive just through the power of communication and yeah I think that's that's what it's done and then obviously um yeah (laughs) I think that 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 ride really kind of strikes as a highlight to to your question and i find it extraordinary because we've spoken before just as a very late disclaimer in the in the podcast but (laughs) i i know that you have had the guts to phone up some pretty impressive people and interview them can you tell us a little bit about that oh yeah yeah um well, I, I recently launched a course called Adventure Planning Crash Course and I I realized that because I picked up inspiration from um from books and everything of all these adventurous people, I would like for people who follow my course to also take inspiration from them. <laughs> yeah, so I just reached out to all the people that I looked up to personally. And um basically, yeah, people like Jenny Toff. Um, who is running across 
every mountain like he was running across a mountain range on every continent and I just like messaged her if she was okay with doing an interview and then there was Joe Cantello who I knew at the like who I knew was um who who kind of manages some really awesome people like Alistair Humphreys and Levison Wood, Justin Gosling and all that. I was like, gosh, like is she even gonna respond? And turns out she had like emailed me and it went in my spam or something. <laughs> and yeah, she was really keen. Then there's Sean Conway, who literally on one message he was ready for it as well. And there was Matt Pycroft. So I remember when the Adventure Podcast first started, I I had a dream that I would kind of either kind of I, I would like to do something worthy enough to be invited on that podcast and it started in 2018 and I remember at that time I was like all right I give myself three years to do something worthy enough to be on there and I like I just messaged Matt when I lo- was launching this course about how uh, how much I love that podcast first and second um how much I love following the films by uh, cold house and then how much i would like for him to interview uh do an interview with me for um for my course and he was he was down for it and it was wonderful and it, like i think i messaged him on instagram then i messaged him on linkedin and on twitter and he he told me when we actually spoke he told me that he really liked my persistence <laughs> uh, like that so now that's the thing that people have told me is annoying about me but like when I reach out to people who kind of you know um I look up to they have actually liked it even Mark had said that Mark Beaumont yeah I'd reached out to him as well uh which was back in 2017 um I reached out to him saying that I'm, I want to do this ride around the world and you know um I was going to write to Kendall at the time from Bournemouth which is really long distance and I did it in like two days and I think I'd done like 350 kilometers each day or something and I I had um I had bruised ribs at the time because I fell off from my staircase in the house and oh man it was such a painful ride but when I got there I remember I attended Mark's talk and then we were having drinks Mark and Sean Conway and that was insane I didn't I would have never thought I would be in a situation where I'm having drinks with two people that I absolutely look up to and have followed their adventures for so long and all that so it was it was quite crazy but yeah anyway reached out to him as well and I think it's it's just about you know, reaching out and putting yourself out there with so many people. It's It makes a difference <laughs> when you're reaching out to people who you look up to. There's actually, um, it's, it's more scary than reaching out to a stranger because there's like this bit where you're worrying about their judgment towards you as well. Mm. And, and there's an expectation because you feel like you know them because yes, you've read yes. their books or you've listened to their talks. <laughs> or I reached out to somebody quite recently on Instagram because I just read her book in a big kind of, hey, do you want to be on my podcast? zero answer and after it took me about two days to go she's probably thinking I don't know you (laughs) so I feel a little more formal email may actually be uh, appropriate but you're right you have an expectation of them because you think you know them but they have absolutely zero clue who you are (laughs) (laughs) that's like yeah that's that's a scary place to be um so tell me just very briefly about your new adventure you mentioned it's uh just a minute ago but tell us a little bit about what you're doing it's the adventure shed is that right yes yes so i I recently launched something called the Adventure Shed through which I help other people plan their adventures. So, so far, I have uh, two polar explorers for whom I'm um, planning their polar journeys, basically polar expeditions. Um, Then there's someone who's doing a triathlon around the world. There is someone who is planning a really, really, really long uh, running expedition. (laughs) And yeah, there's also someone who's kind of uh, planning to do a, like, cycling around the world, but not actually circumnavigation. This person is planning to ride in, like, every country and all. So yeah, I am helping these people plan their expeditions, but also... 
support in terms of brand management so you know managing mm-hmm. the social media or making like long-term plans for them and helping them well helping them make the long-term plans to be fair I don't make them I help them make them <laughs> uh, and um, along with that I realized that I may be just 21 but I do have some sort of experience from the mistakes that I've made to talk mm. about um what not to do when you're putting an adventure together or what to do when you're putting an adventure together, dare I say. So yeah, I launched something called Adventure Planning Crash Course in which I talk about the elements of planning an adventure or an expedition. And in terms of, so there's videos, there's workbooks and there's interviews with the guest experts that I spoke about earlier. And yeah, I've I'm really shit at the video part of it, but I promise it's still going to be good enough to figure out, you know, what what it's about. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's kind of what I've been doing. All the adventure shed. <laughs> Great. And lastly, um, sort of well, penultimately, you have also been uh, featured in a new book called Tough Women, which is edited by Jenny Tough, who you mentioned earlier. Oh yeah. Um, you're in some very, very good company in that book. Oh man, yeah. I'm starting a company of giants, aren't I? It's crazy. Like I, I never thought this would come out. Like I, I remember, um, it was. I think these people, the other people in the book, were contacted last year to be in the book. And I was contacted like in March or something. <laughs> um, and yeah, because I was just chatting with Jenny and she was like, oh shit, I absolutely forgot to tell you. I was going to wait until Atlas Mountain Race to actually meet you in person and tell you this. But, and then yeah, she said that she's doing this book called Tough Women Adventure Stories. And then she told me who was going to be in there. And then she was like, would you like to contribute a story for that? And I was like, holy shit. Okay. They're all so beautifully written as well. What struck me was not just the, well, there's a level of insanity, let's face it, amongst all of you, um, <laughs> that some of us, us mere mortals may struggle to ever achieve. But uh, and I say that with the greatest of respect, actually. Uh, but, you know, there's this the grit and determination and the powering through when things are really bad. But what also struck me about all the stories was how beautifully written they were and how evocative and how thought out and how I really felt like I was there. <laughs> so Tough Women is out now, uh, edited by Jenny Tough, stories of incredible female adventurers, um, more of which we should hear about all the time, because my word, um, you are all absolutely hard as nails. And how can we follow you? Where can we find you on Instagram or that sort of thing? Uh, on Instagram, I'm Wheels and Words. Mm-hmm. On Twitter as well, I'm Wheels and Words. And yeah, on Facebook, it's my name, Vedanga Gulkarni. There's a page. Brilliant. Which I will uh, put in the podcast notes, the, the correct spelling, and to make sure everybody finds you. Vedangi, it has been an absolute pleasure. It's always a pleasure for me to talk to you um, because I just find you the most extraordinary woman, really, I do. And uh, I'm old enough to be your mother. So I've, <laughs> I find it extraordinary that you have this wealth of life experience already at such an early age. I cannot wait to see where you go next. Um, must be quite hard to top a trip around the world. <laughs> Thank you for having me. And it's it's always lovely to talk to you. I, I say that every time we speak. I, uh, yeah, it's, it's always lovely to chat to you. So thank you so much. My absolute pleasure. And we will catch up again soon. But in the meantime, um, all the very best. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining me. I'll be back next week with another incredible episode of Chatting to a Friend. In the meantime, please give us a follow on Instagram, Chatting to a Friend, for all the latest news. Bye-bye.